Hello, and welcome to The Cash Flush, a programmer's audio scrapbook. I am your host, Avdi Grimm, and here's what's in the cash this week. <laughs> okay, what is your name? I'm Catherine Mead. And what do you do? I am a developer at a web consulting company in Dayton called Sparkbox. And what is one thing that developers need to stop doing? I think developers need to stop being jerks. Um, currently, a lot of developers like to leave code review feedback that is impolite, rude, or in a tone that can be taken a completely terrible way. Um, for example, I have an experience with someone who would leave comments on PRs that say like revert in all capital letters and don't explain what the problem is or why it's a problem or how to improve it. And people can't learn that way and they get kind of miffed off. And you really don't want to be the person who has fights on GitHub PRs. That is possibly my favorite answer to the question yet. Thank you. Where can people find out more about you and your company? Uh, I, you can go to C-Sparkbox, like S-E-E-Sparkbox.com, or I'm on Twitter at Catherine, which is spelled like the name Catherine, but with two extra A's. And if you try and Google that, you'll find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. What's your name? My name is Michael Liu. And what do you do? I'm a software developer at the University of Tennessee. I'm going to ask you one question. What should developers stop doing? Um, I guess I'm kind of influenced from the talk I just went to. Uh, and uh, What talk was that? It was... Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was with Corey House, and um, it was a, a talk about the seven pillars to to build your future uh, in, in, in the tech industry. And uh, one of the takeaways was to be weird and specialize in something specific instead of trying to be a master of all the different technology stack things, because all the technology stack things are moving and changing faster than you can keep up with them. And the amount of things to know is doubling and quadrupling and changing. So uh, I thought that made a lot of sense to stop trying to learn everything and to start uh, specializing in something and really answer that question, what is it that I really want to be good at doing? So um, I'm going to work on that today. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you. Where can people find out more about you? Well, I guess if you Google M-I-K-H-A-E-L-L-O-O, -O, Michael Liu, my name, uh, I'll come up and you can learn more about me. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Hi, what's your name? Brad Miller. And what do you do? I'm a lead business analyst for Clayton uh, Homes. Awesome. And you're also involved in the organization of this conference, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. So here's my one question. What do developers need to stop doing? Oh, wow. Um, that is a solid question. Oh man, you should have given me like an hour to come up with that one. I like springing it on people. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. The reaction alone is probably epic. Get more raw answers. Yeah. Don't have to run it through corporate first. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the boilerplate stuff, start, stop QAing your own work, you know, doing your own code reviews, things like that. But. Um, Man, I'm trying to think of anything outside of what you, you know, the boilerplate stuff that somebody's already giving you. 
Well, one thing, you know, uh, I've done some consulting work in the past. One of the things that we always try to do is, is stop being so obsessed with the latest and greatest mm -hmm. and sticking with what works. So, you know, don't stay in an archaic legacy system if you don't have to, but making sure that your tech stack is something that works mm -hmm. and not just jumping on the, the new flashy, new, you know, whatever it comes down the road tomorrow that's popular. Specifically like JavaScript frameworks. You know, there's a new one every, you know, 15 minutes. So, <laughs> you know. What's your one that works right now? Uh, what I'm working with right now on some side stuff is React. It's been around for a little while. It kind of seems like it's going to stick around. So, you know, dive into it a little bit. Nice. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hi, what's your name? Josh Kelly. And what do you do? Software developer. Work for a company called Corgibytes. We specialize in remodeling legacy code. Hey, I know that company. That's a familiar name to me. Okay. So um, here's my one question. What do developers need to stop doing? Well, the easy answer is stop writing bugs. Now, if I actually knew how to do that, I'd be rich and famous. So, anyway, uh, what, what what's like? What's the last bug that you wish somebody had stopped writing before they started? <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I have to feel like a lot of the bugs are just because modern software has gotten so complicated that it's impossible to keep all of that complexity in your head and impossible to manage all the interactions. Now, what you do about that's a whole can of worms. I like the idea of functional programming where you control your side effects and any given input gives a strict output. I feel like that's a step in the right direction. And then tooling, design, how do we design our languages and our tools to Make bug, make mis make it harder to make mistakes. Did you ever have a project that was like, wow, this project actually had fewer bugs than usual? Um, honestly, I kind of feel that way about. I've been doing some TypeScript lately, and I feel like that's an example of a. It makes it harder to make mistakes. Yeah, I, I have a friend who would who would violently agree with you about that. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you. So, what's your name? Josh Carroll. And what do you do? I am currently an independent consultant, um, founder and principal at Amp Tech Consulting. Awesome. I'm going to ask you one question, and that is, what should developers stop doing? Oh, wow. What should developers stop doing? Um, developers should stop thinking that every problem is a development problem, and they should start looking at things from a value perspective. Um, it's probably oftentimes much more worthwhile for them to focus on business value instead of re-implementing something that they could just buy off the shelf. But for developers, they tend not to understand the value of their time, and so it's hard for them to turn that into more of an economic decision because um, we're developers. and. What we do is develop, and we like hard problems. And so sometimes in the absence of a hard problem, we will create one for ourselves. Um, but at the end of the day, that's, that's not the most beneficial or, or, um, or the most valuable thing you can do for a company. How did you learn that lesson? How did I learn that lesson? Um, I was part of a consulting company uh, previously. I was a CTO of that. And um, because I saw things like billable hours and all of that, um, it became really apparent to me, you know, when a developer would say, hey, we've got this new feature we want to implement and it's going to take us, you know, two weeks. And I'd look at it and say, hey, that's a grid. Maybe we should buy a grid component for that. 
Um, and the developers would look at the cost of that and say it was $1,000 for a license for the grid component to do what they want. To them, that seemed really expensive, but compared to billable hours and the amount of functionality you got, you realize that it's like, that's maybe a day or two's worth of work. So if you can re-implement it in a day, cool, go for it. But if not, we're just going to buy this thing off the shelf and have you work on something that's really adding value to the business, not implementing something that's already out there. Nice. That's a good lesson. Where can people find out more about you and your company? Oh, um, well, I actually just started up my, uh, my new company I'm with now, so I haven't got my website uh, set up yet. But they can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at JWCarroll and um, uh, two R's and two L's. But, yeah, that's um, probably the most where they can find out about me because I try to be active on Twitter and engage with the developer community there. Thank you so much. Thank you. One of the properties of successful socio-technical systems is that the technical side needs to be able to explain itself to the users, to the operators, and to the programmers. And it's hard using the tools that we have to come up with systems that explain themselves. So yesterday, Jess and I were uh, trying once again to get AWS Lambda up and running, and we were trying to create our first function using the web interface this time instead of the CLI. And we, it kept throwing errors at, it, at us every time we hit the create button. And every time it was a role error, it was some IAM role that hadn't been assigned. And it was kind of meta because it was like, I don't have the role to assign a role to the new thing that I'm creating. Um, or now I don't have the, the role to attach a thing or to update a thing. It was like this whole series. But the problem was every error was just a single line that says the current this user does not have the rights to perform this action on this resource. And they were really inscrutable error messages, and part of the problem with them was you couldn't see how that error related to the whole process related to the whole, like the goal that we were trying to achieve. And you also didn't have any sense of how much closer to solving this get us to that goal. And let alone did it have any suggestion of how to fix the problem, um, which was another issue. And I mean, level one of making this system friendlier would have been just like, maybe giving their web interface a generalized way of presenting role errors in terms of here is how, you know, let me direct you to the place where you can, um, where you can assign the role that you need, um, maybe with some, some, some fields already filled out, um, or how you can create, update the policy that you need to update or something like that. Um, so that's one level, but another level is that it, it, it just wasn't able to explain itself in terms of here is what I was trying to do. Here's where in the process I got hung up. Um, and, and that's why I'm complaining at you about this. And this is a hard problem with the tools that we have because our programming languages aren't really built to accommodate this kind of explanation. 
I mean, yes, as programmers, when we're looking at the source code, we can scan ahead and see what's going to happen after a given, um, a given procedure is called. We can see that, okay, after this procedure is called, this other procedure is going to be called. Um, and we can even use our tools to drill down and see, okay, so when, when procedure A is called, it's also, it is then going to internally uh, attempt to do procedure B and procedure C, and then it's going to bounce back up and we're going to do procedure D. Um, but at runtime, at runtime, the computer just does exactly what is next, and it doesn't have any picture of the, whole, of the overall plan that any of this stuff fits into. And so building, currently, building systems that can show a plan to the user is, is like building this whole new world on top of the tools that we already have, this whole meta world on top of them. And it's not easy for us. Um, and, you know, what happens when you build a meta world is kind of like what happens when you build, write documentation. Um, they, they tend to skew from each other. You know, you, it's very difficult to keep them in sync. Um, so yeah, this is a hard problem, and I'm not sure what the shortest path to solving it is. How do we, how do we come up with building blocks for our systems that can describe their plans to a user, to an operator, and situate the current problem in terms of that plan. I'm not sure the answer. And that is the cash flush for this week. If you like the show, please subscribe. Just look up the cash flush in your podcast app of choice. If you love the show, please leave a review and if you'd like to support the production of The Cash Flush, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash avdigrim. That's A-V-D-I-G-R-I-M-M. If you'd like to leave me a message that I can respond to in a future episode, you can also do that. Just install the Anchor app. You can find that at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to flush.